the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. There's a ring of truth that is unmistakable Knowing that you cannot find alone And if you listen carefully And sometimes even if you don't You can hear that sound Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Ring of Truth with our pastor and teacher, Dan Sexton, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City. Please join Pastor Dan as he teaches through God's Word. Hear, O earth, behold, I will certainly bring calamity on this people. Now he's speaking to the nations of the earth, all the other nations, and says, I'm going to bring judgment upon these people. The fruit of their thoughts, because, here's why, they have not heeded my words, nor my law, but rejected it. This is why God's going to judge them. They wouldn't listen to God. They wouldn't listen to God. The nation of Judah in the time of Jeremiah the prophet was deep in idolatry and sin. They turned their backs on God and refused to listen to correction when God sent it. Pastor Dan will explain today how they brought judgment upon themselves and turned down God's grace. God offered forgiveness and blessing if the people would just confess their sin and turn from it. But because they didn't, Jeremiah was sent with the message of their coming defeat against the army of the Babylonians. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 6, for today's edition of Ring of Truth. Here, the Lord says to Judah, you're at a crossroads, and this is what you should do before you proceed any further down the road. You should just stop and wait upon me and look at the situation, look at the direction you're going as a nation, and you should pray, you should ask me uh, for the old paths where the good way is, and then walk in what I tell you to walk in. Obey me. Go the way I tell you to go, and you'll find rest for your soul as a nation. Now, just another little note here about uh, verse 16. This phrase, ask for the old paths, uh, that phrase is a favorite phrase of people who oppose change in a church. And I'm talking about stylistic change. I'm not talking about doctrinal change, because truth doesn't change. But style changes. The style of ministry can change. And quite often, when you have a church that is trying to change style, you'll have someone quote this verse and say, we should stick to the old paths. This is how we've always done it. These are the kind of songs we've always sung in this church. We've always had this order for ours. We need to stick to the old paths. That's not what this is talking about. Here, when it refers to the old paths, it's talking about God's word. God told Judah to return to the old paths. Go back to the word of God. Go back to the timeless truths of Scripture and walk in them. Walk in the word of God. Obey the word of God and you will find rest for your soul. That's what he's saying here to them. Now look at their response at the end 
of verse 16. But they said, we will not walk in it. Now, we're not going to do that. We're not going to do that. But don't you want rest for your soul? Yeah, but I, I don't want to do that. You can just see just the hardness of their hearts at this point. Verse 17, the Lord says, Also I set watchmen over you, saying, Listen to the sound of the trumpet. But they said, mm, We will not listen. Now watchmen were placed on the wall of a city to watch for any approaching danger, like an invading army. And their job was to sound an alarm to the people in the city when danger approached. And God says, I've put watchmen on the wall who were the prophets that God sent to Israel. And they're sounding the alarm. And the people are choosing just to ignore the alarm. And they're just, well, we're not going to listen to that. We don't believe you. Again, they just refused to respond to God's warning. And they just ignored the watchmen. They ignored the alarms that God was sending to warn them. So verse 18, therefore hear you nations and know, O congregation, what is among them. Hear, O earth, behold, I will certainly bring calamity on this people. Now he's speaking to the nations of the earth, all the other nations, and says, I'm going to bring judgment upon these people. The fruit of their thoughts, because here's why they have not heeded my words, nor my law, but rejected it. This is why God's going to judge them. They wouldn't listen to God. They wouldn't listen to God. You know, Judah sowed the wind and she will reap the whirlwind. God warned them over and over and over and sent prophet after prophet after prophet and they refused to listen to God. That's why he calls them stiff-necked because they just refused to turn their heads. God's direction. I'm going this way. Remember in the last chapter last week, they set their faces like stone, like rock. I'm not going to listen to God. I'm not going to hear it. And they just refuse to turn. Now look at verse 20. For what purpose to me comes frankincense from Sheba and sweet cane from a far country? Your burnt offerings are not acceptable, nor your sacrifices sweet to me. The people of Judah continued to keep up their religious activities. They continued to go to the temple and continued to make offerings to God and sacrifices to God and burn incense to God. All of the religious stuff they were still doing while they were worshiping idols, while they were disobeying God and rebelling against them. And God says, hey, your offerings are not acceptable to me. See, they thought as long as we continue to go to the temple, we continue to keep up the religious activity, God will accept us no matter what we're doing when we're away from the temple. And God says it doesn't work that way. And the same is true for us. You know, we can come to church and be involved in fellowship, but your life needs to match. You know, what you do in church needs to match the rest of your life. You know, it's not just, you know, I'm here and so everything's good. No, it's a life that you're living. This is just part of your worship of God, and it's part of uh, your relationship with God. You know, you can't have kind of this double life that you're living where you're one thing at church, but your life outside of church doesn't match in any way. That's what's called hypocrisy. 
So he says, I don't accept your offerings. Therefore, verse 21, thus says the Lord, behold, I will lay stumbling blocks before this people and the fathers and the sons together shall fall on them. The neighbor and his friend shall perish. The people of Judah will fall. Thus says the Lord, behold, a people comes from the north country and a great nation will be raised from the farthest parts of the earth. Again, speaking of Babylon, they will lay hold on bow and spear. They are cruel and they have no mercy. Their voice roars like the sea and they ride on horses as men of war set in array against you. O daughter of Zion, uh, you know, the Babylonians were notorious for their cruelty to those that they conquered. And the people of Judah were aware of the cruelty of the Babylonians. And now look at verse 24. The people of Jerusalem say, well, we've heard the report of it. We've heard about the Babylonians. And our hands grow feeble. Anguish has taken hold of us. Pain as of a woman and labor. They were aware of the cruelty of Babylon. And they were in anguish and terror over the thought of the Babylonians invading their land. And yet they refused to repent. They knew how bad the Babylonians were. And they refused to repent and call upon God for help. It's really amazing to me how a heart can be so hard towards God. A person can have such a hard heart and such a stiff neck where their sin is literally destroying them and destroying their lives, killing them, destroying their family, and they know that it is. And they still don't repent. They still won't turn to God. They still won't turn to Jesus Christ for forgiveness and salvation. They still reject God. I've been in situations before just as a pastor where I've um, gone to the hospital or someone who's had a drug overdose or someone who's been in an accident, drunk driving or whatever. They've almost been killed. And they know that their addiction is destroying their life. And they know the gospel too because it's been told to them a dozen times before. And they still will just reject the gospel and reject Jesus Christ. And they're laying in a hospital bed and they still refuse. Just, just the hardness of the heart, the stiffness of the neck. God warns the people of Judah in verse 25, do not go out into the field nor walk by the way because of the sword of the enemy Fear is on every side. So now the people have to live in constant fear instead of just repenting and having rest for their souls. They choose to just live in fear. They'd rather have that than the rest that God provides. Oh, daughter of my people, dress in sackcloth and roll about in ashes. You know, usually when you read that in the Bible, it says put on ashes. Here God's saying, you guys need to roll around in the ashes. The sign of mourning, lamenting, make mourning. Look what it says in verse 26. Make mourning as for an only son, most bitter lamentation. Now notice how it says make mourning as for an only son. Now to lose an only son in that culture was considered, you know, the worst tragedy of all that could happen to you. 
losing your only son because it was through the son that the family name was carried on. It was through the son that property was transmitted to the next generation. So if you lose an only son, that's the end of your family line right there. Pastor Dan will share the second half of today's message in just a moment. But first, he'd like to take a moment to tell you how you can receive prayer for your needs. Do you need prayer today? Every week we receive prayer requests from our listeners. If you need prayer for anything at all, we would like to pray for you right now. You can share your prayer request with us through our website, calvaryec.com. Again, that's calvaryec.com or through our church app or by calling us at 410-491-4592. And can I ask you to pray for us as well? Pray for the Ring of Truth Radio Ministry as we bring the Word of God to those who need it. Thanks, Pastor Dan, and thank you for praying. Now, let's finish today's message. Uh, If you remember in the Gospels, there's this story of Jesus going into the city of Nain. And as he's going into the city of Nain, there's a funeral procession coming out. And we're told that it's a funeral for a young man and he was an only son and his mother was a widow. And what it's telling us there is that this woman, the mother, now has no other family and she has no other way to care for herself or provide for herself. Her only son is gone and her husband is gone. She's completely on her own. At that point, remember, Jesus raises the son back to life for the woman. To lose an only son was the most tragic thing that could happen. I think, you know, that helps us to, you know, understand the love of God in a deeper way for us because it says that God gave his only begotten son. He didn't give one of his many sons. He gave his only son for us to die on the cross in our place. It was a great price for him to give his son for us to redeem us and save us. And in verse 26, God tells Judah to mourn as for an only son, as if your only son has died. You know, the most bitter lamentations, it says. For the plunderer will suddenly come upon us. That's what Judah says. That's what the people of Judah says. The plunderer will suddenly come upon us. Now, that's not exactly true. Jeremiah's been warning them for 40 years, or he will warn them for 40 years before the plunderer comes. You know, sin always has a history to it. It always has a history. The consequence doesn't just suddenly come upon a person out of nowhere, just overnight, unexpectedly, Boom, there's this consequence. There's destruction. Now, there's a history there. And you can walk it back. You can trace it back. And you can begin to trace it back. And you'll find a record there of how that person ended up here where now they're dealing with the devastation of their sin. But it doesn't just suddenly come. But you can go back and you'll see, well, at this point, maybe it's weeks or months or years before at this point, I kind of stopped walking with the Lord. At this point, I stopped reading my Bible. At this point, I stopped going to church. At this point, I stopped seeking the Lord. And at this point, I started getting involved in stuff I knew I wasn't supposed to be involved in. There's always a record there that leads up to 
this sudden destruction that comes, this consequence that comes, but it's never truly suddenly. It doesn't just suddenly come upon you. There's always some kind of record where you can follow it back and see where this thing came from. But for the people in Judah, they're going to respond as if this suddenly happened to them out of nowhere. Now look at verse 27, and we're almost finished here. I have set you as an assayer or a tester of metal and a fortress among my people that you may know and test their way. So now this is the Lord speaking to Jeremiah. And he says to Jeremiah, I have set you as a tester of metal that you may know and test their way, the people of Judah. They are all stubborn rebels walking as slanderers. They are bronze and iron, which is the metal of judgment. They are all corruptors. Verse 29, the bellows blow fiercely. The lead is consumed by the fire. The smelter refines in vain, for the wicked are not drawn off. And what is he talking about here? He's referring to the process of refining metal, the process of refining gold and silver. And what they would do in that process at that time is they would add a little bit of lead in with the gold and the silver, and then they would submit the metal to intense heat, fire, and under intense heat, the impurities that were in the metal would attach themselves to the lead. And then they could just scrape off the dross. They could scrape off the lead that had all of the impurities attached to it. But sometimes that refining process didn't work. No matter how much you heated the metal up, and no matter how much fire you applied to it, sometimes it just didn't work. Sometimes the impurities didn't attach to the lead. Sometimes the impurities just stayed in the metal, and then the goldsmith or the silversmith couldn't use that gold or that silver because they couldn't get the impurities out. And that's what the Lord's describing here with Judah. He tried to refine them. He tried to get the impurities out. He did everything he could to purify them. Uh, He did everything he could to, to bring Judah back to him, to get them to turn their hearts back to him and to repent. Uh, He did everything he could to remove the wickedness from them, but nothing worked. Nothing worked. The people of Judah were just unwilling to turn from their wicked ways. And so he says here, uh, for the wicked are not drawn off. The smelters refine in vain and the wicked are not drawn off. He couldn't get the wickedness out, no matter what he tried. Now, one commentator said, in spite of the intense warnings, the earnest appeals to repentance and dire threats, the defiance of a stubborn people remains. There is no trace of genuine metal in them. And so, verse 30, people will call them rejected silver. Because the Lord has rejected them. He can't get the impurities out. He can't get the corruption out. He's tried. He's applied intense heat. He's put them through trials. He's chastened them. 
He's done everything he could, and they just won't repent. And he can't get the corruption and the wickedness out of them. And so now they're just rejected silver. He's just going to put them aside. And he's going to send them off into captivity in Babylon for 70 years. Now, quickly, turn with me over to uh, Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. And Jesus uses a similar illustration here in the Sermon on the Mount. Here in Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, Jesus says, You are the salt of the earth. And in the Greek, it is you are the only salt of the earth. There is no other salt other than followers of Jesus Christ. You are the salt of the earth. When he says you are the light of the world, it means you are the only light in this world. But he says you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Salt, of course, it adds flavor to food. And Jesus describes Christians, believers, as the salt of the earth or the salt in this world. We flavor this world for Christ. But if we lose our flavor, if we lose our saltiness, where we're no longer an influence in the world, we're no longer flavoring the world. How do we lose our saltiness? By carnality, by worldliness, by corruption, by compromise, by ungodly behavior. When we start acting like the unsaved world around us, and there's no real difference between the way that we live and behave and the way that a non-believer who doesn't know Jesus lives and behaves, we've lost our saltiness. That's what happened with the children of Israel back in Jeremiah's time. They had lost their saltiness. They were no longer flavoring the world. They had become just like the world around them. They were worshiping the same gods as the world around them. They had the same morals as the world around them, the same behavior as the world around them. There was nothing distinct about them anymore. They'd lost their flavor. They'd lost their saltiness. Uh, That's why God couldn't use them. That's why God rejected them. And so he says here, we are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? Then it's good for nothing except to be cast out. And so what does the Lord do if we lose our saltiness, if we become just so compromised that we no longer really are an influence in this world for the kingdom of God? He just puts us aside. He just puts us aside. It's like the rejected silver. God can't use silver that's got all of these impurities mixed into it. He tried to get the impurities out, couldn't get them out, so he's just got a clump of impure silver. He can't do anything with that, so he puts it aside. And so I think you know one of the big messages for us is stay salty. Stay salty. Stay pure. Stay holy. Don't compromise. Don't get corrupted by the world that we live in. Don't lose your saltiness. Be holy, for God is holy. Be holy in your conduct. Be holy in your lifestyle. Be holy in your behavior, so that we are a salty influence in this world for Jesus Christ. He asked me how I know, and I say, 
When you look at the book of Jeremiah at a glance, it seems like the overarching theme is judgment and negative consequence. But as you take a closer look, you're given a microscopic lens into the heart of God. Yes, there was judgment and eventual exile, but think about how long-suffering and patient God was in giving them multiple chances to repent from their ways and separate from their sin. What an amazing and hopeful picture of God's heart toward you. He is just and fair in handing out consequences to those who willfully go against what he's offering. But like a patient parent, he gives grace and mercy when you vacillate between following him and venturing elsewhere. Ultimately, God wants you to choose him wholeheartedly, and he wants to bless you. Take the book of Jeremiah as a continual reminder that God is gracious and merciful, but he'll bring judgment on those who refuse his ways. If you want to talk to someone and better understand what all of this means, don't hesitate to call us at 410-491-4592. That's 410-491-4592. We're so glad you joined us today on Ring of Truth. Feel free to study this book on your own in the meantime. In our next edition, Pastor Dan will share more from the book of Jeremiah and provide a deeper understanding of how to apply it to your life here on Ring of Truth. I see the signs and I recognize the hands that craft and what I know because I know his voice and it only takes It's true.